In this lesson, we are going to continue our study of biblical stewardship by looking at what the Bible says about preparing for the future. So in this study on biblical stewardship, we have looked at um, to be a good steward, that you need to purpose to use God's money wisely. We have seen that you need to purpose to avoid or get out of debt. And in this lesson, we are going to look at or begin looking at preparing for the future as a good steward of the resources God has given us. Keep in mind the foundational principles which I have mentioned before. So we need to, again, with everything that's said here, run it through a grid and understand what I'm saying. So in discussing how to honor God with our finances, you need to make distinctions between biblical commands, biblical wisdom, which uh, and, and, and personal choices and how we carry out, implement, and apply the, the biblical wisdom and, and, and the various ways in which we, can, which we believe are best to be a steward of the resources and the wealth God has given us. So, for example, biblical, command, biblical commands are a sin to violate. Uh, biblical wisdom is a folly to violate. You're being foolish. It's not necessarily sinful. Could be sinful, but it's not automatically sinful. And then there are, there are personal choices in the application of biblical wisdom. Uh, and we can't put these uh, applications um, on the same level as, certainly as the biblical commands, and oftentimes not even on the same level as biblical wisdom. We must allow for a variance of choices in this area. So you're going to get uh, different opinions uh, from even from godly wise men. So in the end, each one of us must answer to God and, and not to our fellow man on, on these uh, and, and how we carry out some of these things. So there's room for variety and these things can be um, might be helpful and then again you can choose to disregard them with no um, you know with no uh, really consequence uh, from a biblical standpoint anyway. With that, let's let's talk about our lesson here. We want to look at as a steward of God's resources, prepare for the future. Right? What does the Bible teach us about preparing for the future? Well, like I've done with the other lessons, I want to give you a little bit of um, kind of where we are at um, with preparing for the future. Where is our culture at? And I do this to help us to see whether we are. Uh, more conformed to the society, or whether they're actually being transformed by, by God's word. So in the end, that's that's what we're looking at. We want to be as good stewards, transformed by the renewing of our minds in God's word, and not conformed to this world. So let's look at our current situation. Uh, Dave Ramsey has alarmingly written that quote: "We live in one of the richest countries in the world, and yet the average family does not have over a thousand dollars in the bank." Unquote. Think about that. Or you live in one of the richest countries of the world, and yet the average family in the United States does not have over $1,000 saved in the bank. Howard Dayton highlights that the average person in our nation is three weeks away from bankruptcy. Think about that. The average person in our country is three weeks away from bankruptcy. He continues, he or she has little or no money saved significant monthly credit obligations, and a total dependence on next week's paycheck to keep the budget afloat. One website provides more recent statistics, so both the quote from Dave Ramsey and um, also uh, the quote 
from Howard Dayton are are dated. Uh, they're they're years old. Uh, so I went and got some more recent statistics. So this comes from February 2020. Uh, and this comes from uh, creditdonkey.com. The number of Americans, and I'm quoting here, the number of Americans who have no cash in the bank to fall back on is staggering. Approximately 28% of adults have no savings set aside for emergencies, while another 36% have, have yet to start socking any money away for retirement. So 28% have no savings, and another 36% have some savings, but they haven't started any money, saving any money for retirement. So whatever savings they have is short-term savings. Um, also from the website, while millions of Americans have no savings, many of them have managed to stash a few bucks in, in their checking account. The average bank account balance hovers around $5,300. So the average bank account balance hovers over $5,300. The website goes on to note that an estimated 38 million households in the U.S. live hand-to-mouth, meaning they spend every penny of their paychecks. Think about that. They're spending every penny of their paychecks. Surprisingly, two-thirds of them earn a median income of $41,000, which puts them well above the federal poverty line, unquote. So you know, this, this is the um, two-thirds of these that live hand-to-mouth live in that median income of $41,000, which is which is not great income, but it's certainly above the poverty line. So they should be able to save They and, and um, with controlled spending, they could certainly um, avoid living month to month, uh, just paycheck to paycheck is what I want to say. Now, looking at the different age groups, um, you see that they give differently. The, the website also highlights this, and I quote, Baby boomers tend to be better when it comes to hanging on to their debt. Or hanging on, sorry, hanging on to their extra money. Not hanging on to debt. This is hanging on to extra money. Adults age 55 and older have a positive personal savings rate of about 13%. Millennials, on the other hand, meaning adults who are 35 and under, have a personal savings rate of negative 2%. Not positive 2%, but negative 2%. So between high student loan debt and stagnating wages, saving anything at all proves to be impossible for many of them, unquote. So uh, it's it's viewed as impossible for them. It's not really impossible, but that's what the web, that's the way the website worded it. Um, and here, too, we must ask ourselves, yeah, do we see ourselves in these statistics? Are we simply conformed to our world? Are we just like them? Or as Christians, are there any differences with how we handle our savings, our planning for the future. So when pay, when people do save, why do they save? Well, here's some reasons, not, not all good ones, mostly not good. Some save out of greed, just because they only think of themselves. They, they're just focusing on the only person of importance, and that's themselves and their, and their thinking. And they're just greedy people, and they uh, don't want to give any of their money away, and they don't actually want to want to buy anything because they don't want others to get their money. They just want to keep it as much as possible. Then then others save to stockpile. Uh, th those who stockpile are, are saving for a disaster. They're saving, really ultimately, they're saving to be financially independent. They're, they're stockpiling cash, money, uh, you know, um, investments 
in order to be financially independent. Third, another reason is it saves some because they're just misers who, who hate to spend money on almost anything, um, whether that's themselves or other people. So you could say they, they might fall into the category of also being greedy. Um, here, the difference is just slightly different. And then four, um, out of some save out of fear because they're anxious about what the future might bring. So they save uh, simply out of uh, anxiety and fear about the future. And yet others prepare for the future uh, to honor God. And, and this is really where we want to pivot in this lesson from just looking at the world uh, around us to looking at what the Bible says. So how does the Bible um, teach us, uh, I should say, how, what does the Bible teach us about how we should think about saving for the future? Well, here's some principles we, we need to draw out. First, the first principle is this. Do not save out of fear or anxiety about the future. Do not save out of fear or anxiety about the future. The Lord does not want you to be anxious about the future. Proverbs 24, 19. Proverbs 24, 19 says, Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Now, it's true that's not about financial planning, but it does tell us not to fret because of evildoers. And in our nation right now and around the world, there seem to be uh, a lot of evil people uh, making a lot of advances and directing nations and our world in ways that uh, could be rather frightening, looked from a human human standpoint alone. And so we just need to take stock that we don't need to, to save purely out of anxiety about the future. In fact, we're told not to be anxious at all. There is no future for the evil man. Those who die without Christ have no future. That is, they won't be annihilated, but they have no blessing. They will spend an eternity in hell, being punished for their sins. That's the plight of everyone who dies without Christ. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 10, verse 3 says, The Lord will not allow the righteous to hunger, but he will reject the craving of the wicked. In other words, the Lord is going to provide. Now, this is a proverb. It's not a an absolute promise for every Christian. And every time there are Christians in times of war, or there are Christians that have been taken prisoner during during times of war, or other times uh, have been persecuted for being Christians who have certainly experienced hunger. But it's just simply saying that the Lord is going to provide. And I would say even in those all extreme circumstances, we can count on the fact that God is going to provide for us whatever we, we might need. And it might be the Lord uh, calls us to, to give our lives in martyrdom for his name's sake, but he will provide. He'll provide everything that is needed, and he is, he is absolutely trustworthy. Proverbs 15, 16, Proverbs 15, 16 says, better, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. So it's, you know, Again, it's just looking at the future. We, we need to trust our Lord. And if we don't trust our Lord and we're trusting uh, these, uh, these uh, because we're anxious about the future, and even if we have treasure, we're going to be anxious. And 
On top of this, we want to just reference Matthew chapter 6, which is a, a passage uh, that speaks a lot to this about not saving out an of anxiety. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And you, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown to the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Notice he's talking about the future. What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So so from this, we just simply need to see that God does not want us to, to save out of fear or anxiety about the future. Trust him. Seek first his kingdom, which means living first for him, first and foremost, not not for yourself or about your own uh, your own protection for the future. Just live for the Lord and honor him in all things. That's the first principle. Do not save out of anxiety or fear about the future. Second principle, do not save to become financially independent. Do not save to become financially independent. The Lord does not want you to place your trust in your preparations for the future. Um, we must always trust in the Lord as we prepare. And, and I want to caution here not to pit trust in God against preparation. That, that often happens. You get people who... who uh, are, are preparing in order to become financially independent so that they, they don't really need to have any faith uh, for God to provide what they need. On the other hand, you've got other people who who just say, well, I'm just trusting God and therefore I don't need to prepare. So uh, one of the other principles we're going to look at in the future uh, is that we must not ignore our need to prepare for the future. So that that's, that's just a little preview but I would argue, and you'll see this uh, coming later, that, that we need to prepare for the future. But we also need to rely upon the Lord. These things should not be pitted against one another. Let's look at um, some scriptures that talk about and warn against us trying to become financially independent. And, and the, the kind of the dangers of of being uh, so wealthy that we can think we have a, a have a fortress in proverbs 10 15 proverbs, 15, proverbs 10 15 we read this the rich man's wealth is his fortress the ruin of the poor is their poverty so it's just talking that uh, it's not commending this it's just stating this as a fact the, the rich man's wealth is his fortress he's able to buffer himself from a certain degree of of ruin a certain degree of, of problems by having wealth uh, but but keep in mind that that wealth is his fortress rather than God being his fortress. And that's the problem. 
So while the rich man can buffer himself from some problems, there, there are not, um, there are things in life that he's not going to be able to buffer himself from because his, his fortress is wealth and not God. Which is why in, in Proverbs eleven four, Proverbs eleven four, you read this: Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So there is this day of wrath coming for all those who trust in their wealth and not trust in themselves and their own preparations, whether that's financial or spiritual. Those those riches are not going to profit. They're not going to help you. I mean, think about all the rich people in Europe during World War II. I mean, those riches only helped initially. Maybe it helped buy them a ticket out of the war zone. But but beyond that, that they had to flee if they wanted to, to save their lives. They had to end up fleeing war zones with, like all the other people. So riches do not profit in a day of wrath. Um Along these lines, Proverbs eleven twenty eight, Proverbs eleven twenty eight tells us that he who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. He who trusts in his riches will fall. So if you're trusting in riches, these things will will perish. Um, they will fall because it's it's not trust in God. It's trust in in whatever you have supplied, either money or food or or um, kind of a bomb shelter that you've created, um, that that is going to fall. Right? Uh, there are many people today who are talking about, um, you know, uh, sheltering yourself from, from economic crisis or the crash of the dollar, talking about getting into gold or silver as a way to, to kind of buffer things. But we'll read in a, in a little while that that is, that is also um, no guarantee of help in, the future. Um, Proverbs eighteen eleven uh, echoes all these things and says, "A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own imagination." Notice that last part. Here you got a, here you got a proverb that's using parallel poetry. It says, "A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his own imagination." So, in his own imagination which isn't reality, but in his own imagination, he's built this wall like like the wall of Jericho that that no army can penetrate. He's secure, so he thinks, in his own imagination. And that is, that's, it's kind of drawn out. It's, it's his strong city, but that, that's only in his imagination. It will not protect him from uh, disaster yet to come. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 uh, warn us this way. Proverbs 23, being at verse 4, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. So using an analogy of a bird, you see, fly away. Right? That's, the, that's what's going to happen to those who, who seek to gain wealth. So obviously, there's a lot of wealthy people in this world Many of them, unfortunately, don't know Christ, putting trust in their riches. So here, the scriptures are warning us as believers not to set our our goal on gaining wealth. We are not to, to have a goal of, of gaining wealth. We are to honor the Lord and pursue living for Him, to be people of, of faith. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. The problem the problem with pursuing wealth is, is that it becomes a love. And we are told in scriptures, the love of money is the root of, um, of all evils. 
of many evils. It's the root, it's that love of money. And as people of God, we're called uh, not to have that love of, of money. Um, I'd like to also turn us to, um, to James 5. James 5, we read this. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and you will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure, and you have fattened your hearts on a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. So keep in mind that the context is about, uh, is, is geared, or the, the passage is geared towards those who are rich, and they've, got, they've gotten rich by taking advantage of the poor, by withholding uh, the right uh, pay that was due uh, to the workers, and so the Lord is confronting that. But just realize what's going to happen to, to the rich and, and those who trust in their wealth. The description will be similar in the future. So come now, you rich, weep and howl. Your miseries will come upon you. Look at that. Your gold and your silver have rusted. Their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. So just understand that, you know, a lot of people will, will point out, a lot of critics will point out, well, the Bible says gold and silver have rusted. And gold and silver don't rust, but they, but keep in mind that the idea is that they they is that they will corrode, and even beyond that they'll be worthless. That's that's the main point. They'll be worthless, and you might say, well, how how will gold and silver be worthless? Well, gold and silver only have worth so long as many people value them, but there could easily come a time when people don't value those, and you say, well, how could that come about? Well, I'm no prophet, but just guessing. You know, you could envision in our day age where there'd be a movement towards digital currencies. Uh, perhaps when the fiat currencies, our cash, uh, fails or is brought down, one of the two, and you have a system where now we're moving towards digital uh, currencies. And oh, by the way, the the gold and the silver you've saved up is now worthless. You can't you can't trade it for anything. Um, maybe you could you could use it. Your dentistry, it might come in helpful there, but it's not going to rescue you from the from the days ahead. So that that is not likely to happen. But I'm just saying it is possible, and that's a warning not to trust in your alone in your financial um, provisions. So as you argue in the future, as I will argue in the future, we do need to prepare, but we must not. Uh, prepare in such a way where we think we're going to become financially independent or we can, we can become um, self-reliant. Okay. Those, those things are abhorrent to our, our God because he has designed us to be reliant upon him and to be dependent on him. Now, certainly we, we don't want to be dependent on government programs. There's a good reason to be independent of government funding, um, and for no other reason, the fact that when the government gives you money, it comes with strings attached, as we're finding out in our own days. So that's uh, 
needs to be warned, but we should not save to be financially independent. And the principle comes down to the, to this, like in Psalm thirty three seventeen, tells us that a horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. So one thing we need to acknowledge is that a horse has great strength. I mean, uh, you know, the day of battling with horses is long gone, but there was a day in which to have a horse was a great advantage to have a 800 to a thousand pound horse that you could sit on and do battle with that horse alone with its with whatever armor it might have you could use that to to even just to run over and kill people in battle i mean those those um war horses were trained they they were a fierce weapon of their time but what the what the lord says is it's not going to deliver anyone by its great strength and that 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 ultimately it's a false hope for victory don't put your hope in the horse. Do what? Put your hope in God. Now, that's not saying don't have a war horse. Uh, it's just saying don't put your hope in God. And we see that drawn out more in Proverbs 21.31. In Proverbs 21.31, uh, we read this. The, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. So that horse has to be trained, has to be prepared. Otherwise, uh, you take a normal horse into war and it's, it's going to um, not perform well. It's going to panic. A war horse is trained not to panic and to continue to take orders from its master. So, But just realize that a horse is a uh, false hope for victory. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. So it's the horse needs to be prepared or it's not going to be useful, but ultimately it's the Lord who grants the victory. It doesn't matter how many horses or chariots you have. Is is ultimately what it Israel learned it's whether God is for you or not, and obviously they they at times um, knew that, and then other times they forgot that, and that's that's similar to Christians today, that we it, um, think that by our preparations we will save ourselves or save our friends, but we do so without dependency upon God and without faith, and, and these things ought not to be the wise response to um, to situations we see coming and even if we live in a time of peace is is to re- is to prepare for the future in faith to prepare for the future in faith and trusting God so um, we just need to realize that we don't need to save out of anxiety or fear we don't need to save um, in order to become financially independent or self-sustaining uh, that's that. Those aren't God entering principles. And next time, the next lesson, we'll see that that we should not ignore the need to prepare for the future. We should not ignore the need to prepare for the future. Well, let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just thank you that you are the great preparer, Lord. Uh, you have laid down plans, and you are bringing those plans uh, to pass. And Lord of God, I just ask you, help us as Christians, as followers of Christ, not to be anxious about the future, but to trust you in that. And also, Lord, as we prepare, not to think that, that somehow we're going to be self-reliant or self, self-sustaining or, um, Lord, uh, be financially independent. Lord, help us prepare with faith, fully recognizing we need you in every step of the process 
in order, Lord, to, to have what we need and to honor and glorify you and be a witness to the world. Help us to do these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pulpit Ministry of Medina Bible Church in Medina, Ohio. You can find church information, a complete sermon library, and other helpful materials at medinabible.org. This message is copyrighted by Medina Bible Church. All rights reserved.